I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast, powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Trevor Allen. Thank you so much for tuning in. have a special edition today. We're going to play back the media availability of head coach Kyle Whittingham, who spoke to the media on Tuesday morning. It's the first time that Coach Witt has talked to the media since the Pac-12 postponed fall sports due to COVID-19. So here is head coach Kyle Whittingham with the media. Okay, um... This is uh, uncharted territory for me and, and most of our coaches as far as uh, here it is, August 25th or whatever, and and uh, no football going on for us, no fall camp, no preparations for the season. And so it's uh, it's very unique. But, uh, you know, we're uh, just forging ahead. Uh, school started yesterday for our guys, so they're all back in town here. Uh, we did give them last week off uh, once we found out about the uh, – the season being uh, delayed, then we, uh, you know, stopped, uh, you know, our on-field stuff and, and gave them some time, some time off. Brought them back today for school, and then we'll start up again uh, on Monday, and we'll have a uh, a routine where we're in the weight room uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and on the field Tuesday, Thursday. At least that's hopefully what we'll be able to do. We're still waiting for a few more details on what we can and can't do on the field. So. Uh, We'll just, uh, you know, respond accordingly once we get all the particulars. But but that's what we're thinking of, uh, is going to be happening for the next, oh, three, four, five weeks is is that routine, uh, you know, Monday through Friday routine with the weight room and the on-the-field activities. So uh, that being said, go ahead and ask questions and, and uh, let me know what you want to talk about. Hi, Kyle. Um, at, at what point did you find out that the, that the Pac-12 would – postponed to the spring and at this time i mean did, did you agree with their decision to postpone until the spring well it was a couple of weeks ago i believe i think it might be a couple of weeks ago tomorrow to the day uh if i'm remembering correctly but but uh you know agree disagree that's not really applicable disappointed absolutely um you know I, we got to follow the the uh, recommendations of the medical team and and uh you know, they've been at this for months now, literally, uh, you know, examining it and deciding what we can do, what we can't do, what's safe, what's not safe. And so they came to the conclusion that uh, uh, putting uh, a halt to this the uh, fall season was was in order. And, uh, you know, it was tough news to get to the, uh, give to the team. They were all disappointed. You know, they, they, they want to play. Obviously, they're football players. They want to play football. But uh, it's beyond our control. Nothing we can do about it. And so now we just set our sights on whatever's next and 
And at this point in time, like I mentioned, it's it's next week's uh, routine getting back uh, started up with uh, you know with training. Coach, I want to ask you uh, about um, your thoughts on uh, there are a couple of schools that are not playing in the fall that are planning or considering a pro day event this fall so that their draft prospects don't have to worry about squeezing in a pro day event next spring when there might be a football season going on. Is that something that, that Utah would, would consider as well? Absolutely. And, and uh, we're looking at all possibilities and, and uh, we want to make sure we give our seniors every advantage possible and, and uh, exposure, any exposure we can give them and make things uh, easier for them. We will certainly try to do, um, you know, we don't have any dates in mind right now. In fact, we're not even sure it's going to be something that is completely allowable. And so, you know, there's just a lot of unanswered questions right now and a lot of uncertainty uh, going forward. And those discussions are happening really as we speak. I mean, there's meetings every day about uh, what things are going to look like, uh, you know, in the near future. And, the, and then, of course, uh, in, in, the, in the spring. But, but uh, if we can implement something like that and make it work and have the okay to do that, then uh, we'd be all for it. Kyle, I'm curious uh, what you think about the possibility of a spring season. How doable is that? And what would it need to look like to actually be pulled off? Great question. Um, I think it's doable. Is it likely? Uh, I think right now it's probably 50-50 uh, at best. We can pull something like that off, in my opinion. I, I don't have any um, inside information other than just my own thoughts. Um, it would have to be an abbreviated season. Uh, in order to be able to not impact the 21 fall season, and because that's really critical that that fall of 21 goes off uh, as normal. I mean, that's that's uh, pretty much got to happen. And so I would see <clears throat> maybe a uh, a spring ball type of a a routine uh, given to the the Pac-12 teams that would that would be somewhere in uh, late September, October, early November, somewhere in there, uh, and then. Uh, a fall camp, I guess you could call it, uh, equivalent uh, starting in early January and then maybe starting games uh, towards the end of January or early February, uh, five, six, seven game schedule. That would put you, what, to, towards the end of March. And then, uh, you know, maybe have a playoff game or a championship game uh, between the North and the South. And, and I know there's even some discussions about maybe Bulls jumping on board and <clears throat> and uh, being available for uh, something in the spring. But but again, that's just all in the infancy stages, and and uh, you know a lot uh, a lot of ground needs to be covered before we get to that, and uh, we'll just see what happens. But uh, it's plausible, uh, and we'll see how you know. I think it will be a clearer picture in the uh, ensuing you know three or four weeks. Kyle, with the NCAA granting a year of eligibility, regardless of whether players play in the spring. Have you have you talked about the logistics of what that means for your for your institution, especially for maybe these seniors, a, a guy like maybe like a Jake Bentley who could potentially come back, even though he could play if you do have a spring season. Absolutely, and and I think that was a great decision by the NCAA uh, to allow that. I know there was not much appetite for for the player from the players to play in the spring if it was going to be a an abbreviated season and it was going to count uh, against their eligibility, and so when they made the uh, determination that it would not count against your eligibility that that uh, made it a whole different uh, ball game for our guys and, and uh, you know it's an everything to gain nothing to lose type thing for a senior I mean if you're a senior and you 
you play an abbreviated spring schedule and you put uh, some really good things on tape and you think your stock is as high as it's going to get, then you can go ahead and uh, enter the draft. And if you feel like maybe there's still that you still got work to do and you still have things you want to uh, get better at, then you have the option to come back in the fall. Now, what that's going to do is really put a interesting spin on the class of 22 that's coming out. Cause, cause right now the, uh, the way I understand it is you're going to have 85 scholarships available for you in the fall of 21, uh, not counting your seniors. So any seniors do not go into that count. And so you might be at 85 scholarships with your junior, sophomore and freshman class and have, you know, 15 or 20 seniors. And uh, you know, when the season's over, those 15 or 20 seniors obviously depart and then you still got 85 scholarship players and that's your limit. And so to clear space for the 22 recruits, uh, that's going to be interesting because, uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to go down. And they're talking about, well, you know, guys may move on and transfer, you know, if they don't feel like they're, they're, uh, you know, you're not, they're not in your plans, but where are they going to transfer to? Because everyone's in the same boat. Nobody really has any scholarships available. And so that's really going to be impactful for that class of 22 and, and uh, if it doesn't indeed go down as they have it outlined right now, uh, I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Hey, Coach, I know that a lot of players have talked about within the Pac-12 or have even acted on it, transferring out of the program to go to a school where their conference is playing in the fall. Have you had any conversations with any of your players who have a desire to transfer to a school that is playing in the fall? Yeah, zero conversations with anybody on our football team about transferring. Uh, that's not to say that might not be in their mind or in the, you know at the forefront of their mind, but that's it would have to happen pretty quick now. We're into this pretty deeply, and so I would say the odds are, are most likely against that. Although you know it's still uh, conceivable, but I've heard nothing. Uh, no one's come to me, like I said. No one's approached me, and I've heard no uh, secondhand information about anybody that is thinking along those lines. Uh, with the recruiting dead period now extended all the way through September, um, just what are your concerns about uh, trying to recruit, trying to evaluate specifically these um, these class of 2021 kids? Well, really no concerns because it's a level playing field. You know, everybody's in the same boat, which uh, doesn't really give advantage or disadvantage to anybody. And uh, my guess is that dead period will be extended beyond September 31st. Uh, September 31st, even a day, how many days in September? But anyway, uh, the end of September, I think it'll be very well may go into the end of the calendar year. And so there's a good chance that uh, these recruits will not be able to have any visits to your campus and we can't leave our campus to go visit them. But again, if that's the case, you just got to do the best you can with your Zoom uh, virtual tours and virtual visits and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, we, we feel like we've, we've put together a pretty good class so far, a really good class so far. And we've got, uh, you know, three or four uh, players right now that we think we're really close on getting commitments on. And, and so, uh, again, back to your original question, not a concern, but, but uh, you've got to, you know, do the best you can with what you have available. And I think we're doing that. Yeah, Coach, uh, I wonder if you were surprised at all by the fact these other conferences like the SEC and the Big 12 are going forward. And... Uh, if they do play this fall, I wondered if how, that, how that's going to affect your team and your league going forward for next year, do you think? Yeah, well, surprised. Uh, it was probably, you know, I wasn't surprised, but it was very interesting that uh, there can be such a differing um, medical 
opinion. And I guess, and I know certain parts of the country have different issues going on than other parts. And so that factors into it, but, but uh, you'd think there'd be a little more uniformity uh, in the, in the process, but, but uh, that's not the case. And so that's the, <clears throat> that's the, uh, <clears throat> the, the cards we've been dealt. And so we've just got to, to roll with it. Um, what's the second part of your question, Mike? I'm sorry. Um, just going forward, is that going to affect your team and league being behind the other leagues because they're playing this year? Yeah, that, you know, that could have uh, that impact, particularly if we don't have a, uh, a spring season to, uh, you know, to to play. And, and so, um, you know, I don't know, you know, recruiting wise, I don't think it'll play much into that, but just readiness to play. And, and uh, you know, these kids, they missed a whole spring. They missed all fall camp. Um, and it looks like, uh, you know, they're going to be limited in what we can do going forward. And so I think time will tell and, and uh, really be the determiner of, of how impactful it is. But but I certainly think that we'll have an impact. Yeah. Coach, you got me? I got you, Tom. And if you can figure out unmute, unmute that everybody on this call should be able to do it. I'm going to somehow take that as a compliment. Hey, um, I'm curious. I think it's fair to assume that uh, or fair to say that there's there's some sort of disconnect throughout the Power Five conferences, given that the Pac-12, Big Ten aren't playing and, and other conferences are. Have you put any thought towards how this doesn't happen again in the future? Do you have a solution? <laughs> no solution for me as far as that goes, but it would be nice to be have some uniformity and, and, uh, and uh, consistency with this. And uh, But again, I guess, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a doctor, as I've said, and, and there's different parts of the country have different uh, stages of the virus going on. And so I'm sure that plays into it, but uh, it is interesting that, you know, the NFL's playing and, and uh, three of the top power fives and, and uh, you know, a bunch of high schools and, and then there's some that aren't, you know, there's some conferences that aren't. And so, so it is, it is uh, uh, unique and uh, you know, I don't, don't have all the answers for that, but, uh, but it is something that, uh, is, uh, you know, piques your curiosity. Hey, Kyle, we uh, have only seen this spring 2020 roster for a while. I'm just wondering, can you update us on any on any changes to the roster as it stands? Have you guys lost any players that have moved on from the program since we talked to you last, whenever that was, a few months ago? I don't believe we've lost any players since we talked. I can't recollect exactly uh, when we published that or when we, you know, when we last had a release, but but uh, nobody has transferred, certainly not in the past couple months, uh, or expressed their desire to transfer. Uh, as far as the depth chart itself, I'd have to break it out. Okay. And it, but there's, there hasn't been a lot happened to, to have movement on the depth chart. You know, like I said, we haven't been on the field, uh, but just a little bit. And uh, what we were on the field was no pads and no contact. And so there's really no, not been any opportunity for for anybody to make a move on the depth chart or lose their job for that matter. So, so uh, I could go over it uh, at some point with you if you'd like, but for right now, just off the top of my head, it should be pretty similar to uh, what we put out uh, several months ago. Kyle, there have been uh, reports of several players and we've seen them on the field now who have moved from states where they're not playing football like California to Utah high schools so that they can play. And part of the theory that's been put out there has been, well, they need to play and be seen so that they can be recruited. And I'm wondering if there are any examples of where that's really changed your perception of players 
or between camps and previous games and seven on sevens before everything got shut down, have you pretty much evaluated these guys? And there really hasn't been much change, even though people have changed states to play. Well, there's some players that uh, based on the junior tape, you don't need to see anything more. You, you've got a, 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 you know, a solid evaluation. You know exactly what your plan is with that player. But there's a lot of players that uh, you need to continue to watch and further evaluate and see how they develop uh, during their senior season. And uh, I think that is definitely something that's beneficial to uh, the guys in that category. And, and uh, there are, we're aware of several guys that have moved into the state of Utah to, to play their senior year. And we're, you know, evaluating those guys. And, and uh, so I would say, yeah, that is a benefit, although it's not, uh, you know, you know, every single player is not in that same boat. Like I said, there's a lot of guys who just based on their junior or even sophomore tape, uh, we can have a definitive answer on, uh, you know, what our evaluation is and, and whether or not we're going to repeat that particular athlete. But, but uh, yeah, there's probably, I want to say, you know, a dozen that I'm aware of that uh, moved into the state of Utah that uh, came from out of state. Kyle, you sort of addressed this earlier, but I'm, I'm curious. Let's hypothetically, if you play eight or so games in the spring, how, how feasible is it to get a full 12 in on time in the fall and also to that is there a student athlete welfare issue that would come with trying to play 12 on time well uh good question again this is all stuff that has never happened before and so it's all speculation and and uh but, but one thing i would say is eight would probably have to be the absolute maximum number of games in spring in order to not impact a fall season i think more like uh five six or seven is probably a better number to uh, ensure that the players aren't, you know, the wear and tear and, and the physicality of a season, uh, you know, were they able to withstand that and then be able to come back and do it again in September, uh, end of August, September. Um, now, now spring ball does take a toll as well. I mean, that would obviously the season in spring would be in lieu of spring football and spring football typically is a, is a very physical uh, process and, and uh, you do uh, quite a bit of banging in spring ball, not to the extent that you would in a, in an eight game season, but, but uh, to answer your question, I think that would be the absolute maximum amount of game or maybe one or two too many uh, in order to uh, be realistically able to get through a, a 12 game fall season. And you, you know, when you're talking about 12 games, that's if you don't go to a, a conference championship game or a playoff situation or a bowl game and that type of thing. Well, you obviously lose a bunch of your defense from last year. You obviously have to replace uh, Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss. I, is there any positives to, to not necessarily having a season and being able to let see these guys a little bit more? I know obviously live action is better than than practice, but I mean, is there is there any benefits to having them a little bit more time before maybe a potential spring season? There sure is, and we're trying to look at all the positives that we that we can find in this situation because it's tough, but. But uh, that is one of them. We lost nine starters off our defense. Uh, we've got an outstanding recruiting class that's here. We, we really feel like we hit the jackpot with this recruiting class, but uh, they're very inexperienced. They, you know, they're brand new to the program. And so for us to have this extra time to work with them, even though so far there hasn't been any time on the field with them other than three spring practice, which is with just a handful of guys that transferred in in January. But uh, to be able to, uh, you know, even just the meetings and walkthroughs and being able to, continue to teach the system and, and how we do things uh, definitely works to our advantage. And uh, you're right. We have, uh, you know, some key, some key guys on offense. We return a lot on offense, but losing Tyler and, 
And uh, Zach, that's a big part of what we're doing, but we got a lot of veterans coming back on O, but in particular on defense, uh, that's going to be a, a, a big positive for us to be able to have the extra teach time for those guys. And I think I was looking at the roster the other day, we have 60 plus or right around 60 of our scholarship athletes for next fall, uh, you know, projecting to 21 or freshmen or sophomores. And, and I think, uh, like 45 are going to be freshmen. And so it's going to be an exceptionally inexperienced team. And uh, all this extra time that, uh, you know, any extra time we can we can have with these guys is, is going to work in our favor. Coach, there have been a, a few reports out there, the latest from the University of Alabama. I'm not sure if you saw it, where 560-odd students contracted the virus since, I think, August 19th. Um, with your players going back to school, I guess I've got a two-part question. Are you recommending they take as many online courses uh, or classes as possible? And are you going to uh, up the testing at all now that they're uh, they're on on campus alongside other students? Well, I think the you know our, our answer to the first part of the question is I think most of our players are exclusively in online classes now. There is we have uh, online classes obviously that I think is about seventy or eighty percent of the the, uh, the courses offered, and then the other percentage is what we call hybrid classes, which is, uh, you know, in person, if you feel comfortable uh, attending the class, if you don't feel comfortable going in person, then you tune in to that class during that time period on Zoom. And so you know, physically, no matter what, there's no classes uh, that I'm aware of that you physically absolutely have to go to. And so we don't feel like that's going to be a, a problem for our guys. And I think most of our guys are opting to to uh, do the Zoom uh, alternative to those uh, in-person hybrid type classes. Um, and, you know, as far as the testing, I leave that to our medical staff and our trainers. And I think we're going to continue with the same protocol from what I understand is uh, once a week and uh, just, uh, you know, that, that goes for the staff as well and just continue that for the time being, unless something changes, you know, something could change to, to alter that. But for right now, I believe we're scheduled for a once a week protocol. Coach, I know that some of your players from your 2020 recruiting class came in during the spring, but not all of them came until the fall. Have all of your players from the 2020 class, are they now enrolled at the University of Utah? Yes, they have. And that's, uh, that's uh, a positive. In fact, 99% of them were here uh, during the summer as well. And so we just had a guy or two trickle in uh, into the fall that uh, were not here with us in, in the summer or spring. And so we're, uh, you know, we had 100% of our guys uh, qualify and, and uh, make it through the, the NC2A uh, uh, clearinghouse. And uh, so that's a big positive for us. And we, we are 100% intact with the uh, athletes that we signed, other than the missionaries. And we have some, uh, several guys that won on LDS missions that, that were the exception to that. But otherwise, uh, the rest of them, everyone we expected to be here is here. Kyle, you've spent so much of your adult life as a coach on the sidelines on Saturdays. Um, with no football coming this fall, I'm curious if you've given any thought to how maybe you fill that void on Saturdays this fall. Yeah, well, there's, fortunately, there's going to be some guys playing. Hopefully, that that uh, they're able to pull it off. So that I'm sure will be a big part of what we, as coaches, do on Saturday is watching uh, everyone else who is playing, uh, you know, do their thing, and then of course the NFL if they continue to to uh, be able to, to stay the course, uh, that would be the, you know, the Sunday viewing, but, but uh, it's going to be different. And, and uh, right now as outlined by the NC2A and again, it's subject to change, but, but uh, Saturday, so you have to have mandatory two days off for your players 
in this phase that we're about to go into. And so uh, the coaches will have Saturday, Sundays off, as will the players. And so we've, uh, you know, I think we'll keep busy. I know we'll keep busy, but but it's really uh, to us, you know, uh, a plus to be able to sit and watch, you know, what games that there there is going to be taking place and, and tune into those. Hey, Kyle, I was curious what your thoughts were on the, the manifesto of sorts that the players came out with in the Pac-12. You've always been a player's coach, and I'm wondering what you thought of their increased voice. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting stuff that's going on, and, and that's really, a, uh, you know, it's going to be determined and, and uh, hashed out at the, you know, at the uh, you know, presidential level and the NC2A level, uh, you know, the, the uh, school presidents, that's far beyond uh, any decisions we'll have as coaches. We don't, uh, we won't have any, any uh, determination in that, but, but uh, you know, college football is all about the players. I have a job because there's players here. Our athletic director has, has a job because there's players here. And we can never lose sight of that, that they are the main focus. They're what it's all about. And they are the show. I mean, they're you know, we're in the entertainment business, and they are the show. And and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you know they can make progress and, and uh, maybe get a few things that that uh, are are lacking for them right now. Uh, you know, the, you never you know it's a negotiation process, and I'm sure you know that uh, it's going to be give and take. But but uh, we have a, a couple of individuals on our team that are that are involved in it, and and uh, you know just proud of those guys for for, uh, you know, believing in something and, and uh, getting involved. And so, again, it's it's nothing that, uh, you know, from our standpoint as coaches, we just got to support our guys and, and uh, you know, not try to put a muzzle on them and just let them voice their opinions. And then, again, the powers that be that are far above us at the, you know, the presidents and the, and the NC2A itself will make the determinations as to, you know, what, uh, what they can uh, agree to and, and what's not really uh, plausible for them. There you go. That was head coach Kyle Whittingham with the media on Tuesday morning. You guys can read more about that conversation at kslsports.com. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, this has been the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.